that's okay. First Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9 tonight. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. We are closing our series soon in the book of First Peter. This book which has the same subject throughout the entire five chapters. And that is suffering. That is God using Peter to write to Christians who are suffering, who have, who have been separated from family, who do, who left without their necessary possessions of life as staple items that they need. It all happened for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and their stand for Christ that that, that this took place. And so we've talked about how to live through suffering. It's one thing to be alive, it's another thing to be living. And so we shared how to live through suffering. And then we talked about how to conquer our suffering. Not that, not that we necessarily get out of it, but we conquer suffering while we're in suffering. Because that suffering might not leave, but we're called to be and encouraged that we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And as we're starting to close this book, we're looking at how the church is to function under suffering conditions. And we're to be always fulfilling our duty as a Christian through all things at all times. And tonight, we are going to look at one specific, very important duty. We're taking two verses for one message because of the importance of a duty of a child of God. And that is to resist the devil. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Little boy being harassed on his way home from school, sometimes on his way to school. I mean, he never knew when it was going to get him, but he had a bully. And that bully was beating him up every day. He didn't know if it was going to be morning or, or after the last bell of school, but he was getting beat up. So his friends started giving him some, gest- some suggestions, saying, hey, take a different route to school. Cut through the other neighborhood on your way to school, and then walk home through the woods. And that worked for a day or two, and then the bully cut him off. Gave him a good pounding again. Another friend said, well, the bully beat him with his own big stick, wore him out. So everything seemed hopeless and he's he's walking home from school. He didn't get it in the morning, so he's terrified walking down the trail in the evening and all of a sudden the bully jumps out of the woods. And the little boy this time says, come on, I'm ready. 
And it kind of it kind of startled and and stopped the bully. But at the same time, it kind of humiliated him because after all that beating, now he wasn't scared of him. And so the bully takes off after him. And the little boy's dad jumps out of the woods and he's behind him. And dad's six foot ten, two hundred and seventy five pounds. And needless to say, the bully took off and he was gone because his father was close. You understand? And the closer we are to our father, the bully, our bully, the devil, he's going to run. He might come back, but he's going to flee from the people of God. It's good to be close to the father. We need to be close to the father with this, with this instruction, with this command to resist the devil. We have a duty to resist our bully, the devil. And that takes closeness to the Father. But there's some specifics in this that we're going to look at tonight. Because there must be a caution and a special attention given to this duty that has been given to us to resist the devil. We have to give special attention to it because our testimony will depend on it. He will ruin our testimony as a child of God. It will suffer for it. Our life can be destroyed by the bully that we have, the devil. It's something very serious that we're not to play with. And, and we can just think that we're avoiding him. We don't, I don't like to dwell on him too much and get into the details of him too much just all the time. But some people avoid the thought of him altogether and think, oh, well, I'm living my life good. I'm attending church and, and I'm in the word of God. So everything's fine. And that's not the case because he is always after the people that love God all the time. With this is a serious duty given to you and I to resist him. He is real and he is aggressive and he is after those who love the Lord. So we can't just ignore him or we can't think we're staying out of his path and we're doing right in the will of God and he's not going to be around. We can't just neglect him. We have got to oppose him. We have got to stand against the devil. That's what it means to resist him. It means to stand against him. Now, as I say that, I'm not saying we need to go pick a fight with him. I suggest we don't because we're no match for him. But, but we're to be close to the father and something specific first we're going to share is that we're to have a controlled behavior. In the beginning of verse 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant. This is the third time through this book of suffering that the instructions are to be sober, to be vigilant. We, we had it in chapter 1, it came around in chapter 4, and here it is again in chapter 5 that we are to be sober, to be vigilant. We're to stand against him. How do we stand against the devil who we're no match for? Be sober, be vigilant. We have to be something 
before we can do something. And this is the condition that we're to be in. And I'll refresh us on the definition. We've been through it three times, but it's having our minds under control, not being given over to indulgence in this world, not being engulfed in entertainment, not letting our emotions just make us take us all over the place. We're to have a controlled mind. There's to be some control, calm and collected in the mind, which will lead to a constrained mouth. We're to be serious and in control of self and not giving over into indulgence and things in life. We don't resist the devil by physical might. He tries to mess with our mind. And then, and then when we give in, that leads to the wrong actions. So there's a, there's a battle in the realm of the mind. And our minds are to be steady to be able to resist Him. The mind can't be on overload. I believe it's worse today than in generations past as far as the tendency for the mind to be on overload. We have so many gadgets and so many quick devices that keep us from maybe some, some long work in the yard or, or taking longer to do this and longer to do that. We have so many of these time-saving devices that, that we have so much time and we're, we're just spending our wills actually finding things to do with it. Man, that... Uh, the, the cell phone is used for excellent things and, and social media can be used in great ways to find an old friend or something like that or, or to Google information. I do it all the time. Somebody wanted to know about something and within two minutes I told them something about something I didn't know anything about. It can be used for good things, but nevertheless, the mind gets on overload and can't put that thing down. And our minds cannot be overloaded with with things, with with our anxieties. We just got finished talking about Peter's instructions of casting all our care upon Him. We can't be overloaded with anxiety and have a sober, steady mindset for this resistance of the devil. We need to be empty. We need to empty the clutter from our thoughts that's unnecessary, that doesn't need to be there. We need to be empty for the Lord to fill us up. We need to be watching for the devil's attacks. I'm not saying we can detect them all, all the time, but he does the same thing over and over, and he has for generations and generations and years and years. He does things in a little bit different way here and there. He knows our weaknesses, and he tries to get to us through our weaknesses. We need to know his devices. And we need to be ready for his attacks the best we can. And we can. But we can't do it with oversleeping. We can't do it with over-possessing. We can't do it with over-meddling in other people's business. We have to have a clear mind, a mind under control that the emotions aren't swaying one way or the other. We must be able to detect the temptations that are before us. The, the little stop sign that will be before us 
that that we'll just know within that this is a wrong thing. This isn't something that is okay. We need to dissect these things before us. What did Daniel say? That he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't be defiled. That's ahead of time that he dissected that. There's a there's a news program I listen to on the computer. Um, it comes on every day of the week, uh, Monday through Friday. It's about 20 minutes, and I don't have to spend two hours chasing news here and there. I, I get the bulk of, of, of what satisfies me for the day in this thing in 20 minutes. And it's a Christian covering world news from a Christian point of view. And, and it'll take, for instance, like the New York Times. And they'll have these liberal articles. And they'll be real smooth in the way they say things. But he takes them and he dissects what they're saying and letting us know how wicked and how horrible what they're saying is. He's dissecting. He's taking something that looks one way and he's breaking it down and he's looking at it from God's point of view. And with a sharp mind, by the way. And that's what you and I need to have for the attacks that are coming our way. I'm not saying we know everything about them, but we know they're coming. We know they're coming. We know what our weaknesses are, and he does too. And he's trying to send things in that way to corrupt us. Constant attacks are coming our way. And there must be room in our minds to think on these things, to consider this. That's a good thing to have our mind on. Our mind can wander and be on a million things. It's real good to think on the things that someone would try to destroy us with by camouflaging and bringing before us in our lives. We need to be able to look for them as they're on their way to us. We must be serious about this attack. And we must be ready for them the best we can possibly be. It's the only way to live through suffering. It's the only way to conquer. And it's the only way to function as we should. Function as we should individually as a Christian. And function as we should cooperatively cooperatively as the family of God. We need a controlled behavior. And that starts with the mind. A controlled, calm, and collected mind. But let's look at this conflicting beast. In, in the end of verse 8, it says, Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. How do we stand against the devil? We've talked about that. We need a steady mind. Why? Why do we stand against the devil? Because he's our opponent. He is our enemy. He's full of anger. He's full of strength. He's very fierce. He's cruel. He's angry with God. He's angry with Christians. And he roams around plotting to hurt you and I. That's his plan. That's what's in his strategy to get to you and I all the time. And he's always ready to attack. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 11, verse 10, it says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, 
come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Don't hang out with the wicked son that is just looking to take the innocent and destroy their lives. If that's what wicked people plot and plan every day when they get up, imagine the devil and his ability and his success rate in destroying lives. He's always ready to do so. He's always thinking and meditating and reasoning on how to destroy us. He's on the prowl and he's lurking and he's looking and he doesn't blink. You know that a snake doesn't blink. And he doesn't blink because he doesn't have any eyelids. He couldn't blink if he wanted to. So if you've ever killed a snake, he's probably looking right at you when you killed him. I, I can't say I had a tender heart over it. I didn't have a problem at all. I killed one of a big black snake in my yard. I hate it when I look them up and they're not poisonous, but I might have killed them anyway because of the way they looked. But... But he's just looking right right at me. He's not blinking at all. He can't blink. And I just kill him and it, it's okay. But, I mean, there's no pause with him. He, You can't catch him off guard. You just got to kill him quick and the best you can. Because he's not going to look away. And that's the way it is with our bully, our enemy. There are no pauses in the... Devil's observation and tracking of his enemy. And I, and that's a, another thought for another day, how a lion is able to go about so quietly, but to destroy to such a severe extent. Those pad, those giant pads on the bottom of their paws, they're so quiet. You don't, you don't hear that lion coming. And so, we, we've got to be ready the best we can. We have a conflicting beast. And his eyes are always upon us. He tempts us. And he accuses us before God. He told God that Job was only serving him because he, God, had blessed him so much. Well, that ended up not even being true. Job proved that wrong. He's a, he's a liar and he's an accuser. And he's constantly accusing you and I before God. Constantly pointing those things out. He falsely accuses us before the Lord and he wants us to live in the guilt of what's already been forgiven by the Lord. He wants to whisper that. He wants to take you back. And He wants you to think on those things that the Lord Jesus Christ has already forgiven in your life. We have a mission ahead of us. And God doesn't want our mind behind us. We've got to get our behind out of our past and our past behind us. But that's not what, that's not what Satan wants to do. He wants us to grieve over the past mistakes instead of moving forward in the mission that is before us. Anything to tear us down. Anything to weigh us down. 
The devil brings up our sins to God. You know, it's true. We're sinners. We're saved sinners, but we're sinners and we sin. And he brings that up to God. And it's and, and, and some of these things may be true, but we've given ourselves. We have given our lives to Jesus Christ, who gave his life for all of our sins. And we hate our sin. And we have a totally different attitude. We go broken before the Lord, confessing our sin and sincerely forsaking it, desiring not to do it again. It's different for us now. And we must always deal with our sin before God in this way because to backslide and to dwell in sin, that hurts God's heart. He took out all of His wrath upon His Son for all our sin. And to deliberately live in such a state breaks His heart. I reckon that's why the devil likes to bring it up. Because he knows that our sins will cut the heart of God. Thank God He's given us a different attitude. And when we walk with Him, we can deal with it in the way He's instructed us to. He doesn't have, devil doesn't have a case against God's children, but He's an accuser. And He knows our sins grieve God. He's also a tempter. And He's tempting us to lust the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. And that's what He's trying to lure us into. And when the Christian backslides into all these lusts and sin, we're saved by Jesus, but we're serving the devil. He, we're, we're, making, we're making Him our, our God whenever we're doing that. That... that the thought of that makes me sick. At the thought of us deliberately turning from God. And that's what it would be. Nobody does what they want to. God is either their boss or the devil is. We have to stand against and resist this conflicting beast who's out to murder our lives. And when we stand against him... We're preventing the grieving of our Father's heart. Resist the devil. We resist him by a controlled behavior. And not only that, by a courageous belief. Verse 9 says, Whom resists steadfast in the faith? Do we know that we have faith? Do you really know that you have come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Another question, what do you know about what your faith is in? How much do you know about what your faith is in and what it's all about. I ask this because the beginning of this verse is not saying be firm and strong in believing. It's saying be strong 
in the doctrine, in the teachings of the Bible. Be strong in the precepts of God's Word. Be strong in the promises of the Holy Scriptures that God has breathed to you and I. Know the Word of God. Know your Bible. Know the faith. Sometimes faith is talking about believing. Sometimes faith, by definition, is the body of truth that we believe. And for you and I to resist the devil, we have got to know the body of truth. That's why we're more anxious for Bible study than we are the entertaining fun things. I love entertaining fun things that we sometimes do around here. But we're more desirous of Bible study. And Bible study is more important. It's what we need to resist the devil. A courageous belief in the body of truth. It's not easy to resist Satan. It's not easy. So we're talking about a very sincere dependence on the holy, powerful Word of God. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he defended himself with, it is written, it is written, it is written. It was the Word of God that he used to resist Satan in his time of temptation. And oh, we need the Word of God. We need to depend upon what we've learned. There's power in knowledge. For these suffering Christians that Peter is writing to, they've gone through suffering for Christ's sake. They need to know something. They need to know that they're suffering for a good reason with God. They did. Peter wrote those things and we studied these things and, and he's writing to give them this knowledge that, hey, you're going through a hard time, but God's using it for something good. They need to to know that. They need to know that we indeed are going to suffer for Christ's sake. Christians will suffer for Christ's sake. The Bible says that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. They need to know that. That's powerful for them to know. They need to know that one day Jesus is coming back and we're never going to suffer again. And they need to know that faithfulness through suffering is going to accrue them great rewards in heaven where there will be no suffering one day. There is power in knowledge that is going to help them to resist the devil. They're going through a time of suffering and they are tempted to get bitter. They're tempted to backslide. They might be tempted to blame God, but there is power in knowledge. Be steadfast in the faith. In the doctrine, the doctrines, the teachings of the Bible. Be strong in the teachings of the Bible. Let God bring to remembrance all that He has taught you and I in our time of suffering. We need a courageous belief. Knowledge gives us courage to set ourselves firmly against the devil. Because you see, when we go through suffering... God's power is not reduced in our lives. God's power hasn't reduced. 
because something has come against us to make us weak. His word is just as mighty as it ever was. We don't just suffer, though, as Christians. We suffer with a promise. We suffer with an everlasting, unbroken, impossible to break promise from God that it's going to be all over one day, that He's going to be with us, that He will take us through it, that we can live through suffering, that we can even conquer suffering while we are in suffering, and He's going to take us away from suffering one day. We suffer. Everybody suffers. The world suffers. But the Christian suffers with promise. Promise from God when we're steadfast in the faith through our trials, when we're steadfast in the faith through our trials, we become stronger in the faith. The more we're committed to the Bible and Bible study, the more courageous our belief to oppose the devil. Something else that's going to help you and I to resist him is a common burden. You see in the middle of verse 9, it says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Peter reminds us here that suffering for Christ is a universal absolute. For the people of God. We shall go through it. We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. And we have a fellowship of suffering. You are not alone in what you are going through or have gone through. We have a fellowship of suffering. Our afflictions are never new experiences. They might be new to us, but they're not new. They've been experienced for generation after generation, from child of God to child of God, over and over again. We are not alone in what we have to do through suffering. You are not alone right now. In whatever you may be suffering through right now, there's if we're alone in our suffering, it's our fault because we do not have to be alone, whether it be forsaken by family, whether it be separated from a spouse, whether it be the difficulty of single parenting, whether it be overlooked for a promotion at work, whether we be mocked because of uh, our differences from the world as a child of God that's living for Christ. Whatever it is, it is not unique. It has been gone through by others many times before. And the Christian who barricades themselves in their burdens only makes it worse. Because there is someone close by who has been through something similar enough that they can help and they can give you a testimony that God is mighty in times of trouble. The Bible says He is a very present help in time of trouble. And there are those who have been there 
and experience that. And they are willing to help another Christian who is going through something similar enough that they can relate the fellowship of suffering. We have a fellowship of suffering with the people of God. God gives grace and God gives mercy and God gives empathy in a time of our suffering. And a lot of times he's going to do it through a fellow Christian. It's kind of like it's kind of like that guy that was I guess he was stranded on a cliff or something. And God, help me, help me get off this cliff. And and a. And a helicopter comes by and he says, no, thank you, but I'm waiting on God. And then I guess another airplane comes by and whatever else you want to say. And, and, and he lets all that help pass by and he's waiting on God to help him. And, and we're looking to God for the, for the grace and the tender mercies and the sympathy and the empathy that we need in our time of suffering. And people come up and say, I can help. And what are we going to say? That, thank you, but I'm waiting on God. God's going to use His people in your life. He comforteth us in our time of need that we might be a comfort to those that are in the same need. He's going to use people in your life. Someone in this very church is who God wants to use to help us in our time of suffering. It strengthens us to resist the devil, knowing we're not a lone ranger in our suffering. Because then it goes from, if you will, it goes from poor me to poor us. But then when us, when we get together and there's help and and there's God blessing, a fellowship of suffering, it's privileged us. Privileged to be able to suffer for Christ's sake. Privileged to have the bond between the people of God and one to come along and help in a time of need. And it's promised us then. It goes from poor us to promised us. We're promised that it's going to end and we're looking to the end. We're looking to that promise that all suffering is going to go away one day. A common burden, a common burden helps you and I. But within the same text as we close. There's a conquering boost. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. No, it doesn't say knowing that the same afflictions are weighing down your brothers and sisters that are in the world. It says accomplished. And that word accomplished means several things. And one thing it means is finished. Why did God give gifts to the church? For the perfecting of the saints. We're in a completion Process. We're not going to be complete here. We're not going to be perfected here. That's going to be in heaven. But we're in the process right now. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. 
someone else is really being fine-tuned by God and completed, and they're really being made to be something through the fiery trials of life as they're faithful to God and serving God, and they're a great example. They're a great inspiration. There is a conquering boost we see here by those who are the examples that we can look to who have been through suffering. And man, they're making it. They're making it. And they're being built up. And man, they're stronger than they were before they went into that suffering. The examples we ought to keep our eye on. The devil doesn't like a good example. You get somebody with a TV camera before them and they have their own show and they want to invite a preacher on, let me tell you what, they handpick who they put on there. They, you never saw Adrian Rogers interviewed by one of these guys. You might find somebody even here in Houston in some big building in, in Houston, they'll interview somebody that they have a good idea. They're going to deny what they believe or they're not, they're not going to really stand for what they believe. But they're not going to interview an Adrian Rogers. Well, they can't now. He's in glory. But when he was here. Oh, he hates a good example. Keep your eye on those who never quit. No matter how hard it gets. Look to them. I've heard so many times. About the one who trips. And falls, has a slip in church, has a slip as a Christian, and they, their testimony has been blemished before another. And that's the focus. That is someone's focus. It, it doesn't justify not serving the Lord and being obedient to Him and coming to His house and worshiping Him. It doesn't make it okay to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're to be meeting until Jesus comes back. That doesn't help at all. We need to look and put our focus on those good examples who have never quit through suffering. Follow their example. Feed on the Word of God. Fellowship with other sufferers. Because you and I have a fierce enemy and he's after us every day. We cannot coast as a Christian. We need to absorb and to take in the Word of God, those great examples, and all we need to stand. To, to stand and resist that, that bully, our enemy, the devil. Well, we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And, and teenagers, got a decent number of you tonight. Let's go upstairs in the gym. Uh, Brother Nolan Irvin, would you close us in prayer?